Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome to The Wolfcast, on which we discuss emerging digital risks, the impact of connectivity outages, and closing the protection gap for the digital economy. Today, I'm joined by Thomas Krupp, a co-founder and the CEO of RiskWolf. Hey, Thomas, how are you doing today? Yeah, hi, Michael. Thanks. Um, great, thanks. It is my pleasure. Can you give our listeners a little bit of your background for context? I want to understand how you got to the founding of RiskWolf. Yes, thanks indeed, uh, Michael. Um, yeah, the, in my journey in the insurance reinsurance industry is roughly 20 years long. So I've, I've started with one of the first global e-business initiatives back in 2000, 2001, focusing on, on facultative side of the reinsurance. From then on, I've been involved in a lot of initiatives throughout the whole value chain. Uh, which led me to to activities around um, underwriting client markets exposure data but also cl uh, claims and accounting and and i've seen uh, basically how digitalization and how new technical uh, tools and what te technologies uh, possible what standards uh, make possible and also how you can improve uh, business processes and here I met a couple of years back I met Rene my co-founder and basically we basically the idea of risk of emerged during when we met a couple of years back, we thought there must be better ways how you bring more simpler, faster, reliable insurance products into the market, especially for the digital economy. And I think we can touch base on that a little bit during the, the, the talk today. And uh, definitely uh, RiskWolf uh, was founded by Rene and myself and where we see the new technical uh, tools, the way how you can use mass data and uh, the way how you can link this to the digital economy and the digital platforms. There, there are better ways to do it, and that's why, why risk will emerged. And I think that's where we are uh, since now 18 months on the, on the journey. Awesome. I want to back up a little bit because I want to understand this initial global e-business initiative that you worked on back in 2000 and 2001. But part of the reason why is because I think it informs what happens today. In other words, you said you were in the insurance industry for 20 years. That's almost 20 years ago. And if it started with E, I presume it's electronic business. Back then, I presume yes. that the insurance industry wasn't nearly as digitally transformed as it was today. What was it like back then trying to put the E into the insurance business in 2000 and 2001? Yes, man, it's a long time back. So sometimes uh, the memory is not going back with everything. But <laughs> naturally, as you remember, there was a lot. There was a big e-business boom, e-commerce boom. Yeah. Uh, during the 2000 years, early 2000. Um, and basically um, what happened is there is basically the email was established and now the industry looked for ways how to basically move away from email, basically sending documents from A to B and using a kind of uh, platforms or e-commerce platforms. This is basically, I would say, the idea was uh, also to establish ways, standards, how you exchange this information. So that was also a little bit back already in the 90s with some initiatives in London and also in the continent in Europe to establish uh, certain standards between, especially in the insurance and reinsurance market. And so basically 2000, I think, took all these trends together, starting to really think about more uh, moving away from emails uh, into, into a kind of a more established platforms and ways how you look at business so that the same business, especially in the reinsurance space, where business is shared between reinsurers, that the, all the reinsurers look at the same topics. And I think with 9-11, we also had the case that 
the case uh, was established there that uh, it was not clear uh, what was the active policy during 9-11 when the, the, the Twin Towers went down. And there was some debates, especially around what are the active policies actually in this case, what, what is really um, um, in place. And, and this also has shown showed the industry that they need to have also context certainty and other topics. But I would say the whole thing there back then was really replacing email with better means. But there's naturally the whole industry, how it worked on that is still kind of old school. So right. the, the way how insurers, reinsurers, brokers work with each other, they started using these platforms, but they in parallel continue to use emails. So now they get the risk via platform, via email. So it was not really a lot of saving beyond that. And also the data, the quality of the platform, I think it, that was also not a the best so it basically it's just a glorified email solution and i think today we are talking about something much more different absolutely look i feel like your career in the insurance industry in a way mirrored mine i mean i was always the guy who looked at the business though in in its current state and said how can we apply technology to make it more productive make it more profitable and make it more ubiquitous and it sounds like even back in 2000 and 2001 you were sitting there in the insurance industry saying, okay, there's an e-commerce boom, but then how can we attach some of those things to the insurance industry as well? And basically have been working since then to get to this point where the technology, the compute and the bandwidth has sort of caught up to your ideas. Anyway, I wanna understand, again, from a risk wolf perspective, what are some of these new emerging digital risks? Can you give a few examples? Yes, definitely. Uh, again, as, as man, we just have to look out on the on the on the digital economy and see what are the new ways, the new who, who is working in the digital economy, and starting with who is working and who is using uh, in the digital economy. And here you see definitely new types of activities, new types types of occupations. You have gig workers, you have e-learning teachers, you also have the whole industry around food delivery, ride hailing, travel. Uh, you also have naturally all the e-commerce, which again was implemented 20 years back, but now is really all these e-commerce platforms uh, who not only deliver ship goods, they also ship services. They ship much more than goods. In a way, they are now, especially especially these risks around these workers, around these 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 companies. There's new risks upcoming. Basically, um, um, what used to be a classic uh, kind of you insure a car, you insure your your, your house, your, you have a health insurance, a life insurance. Today, you have just new risks because it's the, the ability to work, for the, to work, you need, you need a connected device. Right. For the ability to, to offer some goods, you are a registered merchant on Amazon. So you are digitally connected to your merchant or digitally connected to your platform. To the, the ability to basically serve your customer, you use data centers, call centers, you basically use the digital connectivity. And we see a lot of risks around this connectivity coming up since connectivity can be bad, can be out, connectivity can be attacked and basically it's a new infrastructure which is globally used right but which at the moment is not insured so we see especially that these new risks are, are there they're not going away especially at this time we believe that this shift is not going back and uh, the platforms which work which which are active there also are not going to go away it's not that 
all these digital platforms are here to go away. They're, they're here to stay, and they basically are the new infrastructure, which, which is there. When you look at the state of the insurance businesses today, does it seem like the industry itself has the necessary tools, not just the idea, but the tools to ensure the digital economy? And if they don't, what are these tools? What should these tools be? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I would not say it's a black and white answer. I would say yeah. that the insurance industry always has been involved in the digital economy. However, it has not embraced it. It basically tries, at the moment, the insurance industry tries to still find, they, they understand they are shipping a product, like a protection product, and this product is going to be defined and then sold. However, today with the digital economy, the product must be embedded in the economy, in the digital, in the, in the journey of the digital user, of, of the gig worker, of, of the e-learning teacher. And here we see the biggest gap that the insurance only started to embed their products into these journeys. They still uh, try to sell it on their own uh, kind of channels with their brokers, with, with their own uh, channel uh, sales organization. And we see insurance need to dramatically change from that approach towards an embedded approach that the protection itself, which is a demand from a client, from a merchant, is offered where the merchant is or the client is. It's, it's where they are. They are on the digital platform. They are on their journeys there. And for us, it's clearly that's the biggest gap, that insurance is not offered where the demand is. And the way how it is offered, it's too, I would say, too classic, too product-driven. So you just you ship a product in the market and then you see who, who buys it. Right. What we believe, it must be much more get towards the usage or the, the end user, their needs at the, an appropriate time of, of a sale or, or an appropriate time of a service. Can you just give an example of something that's embedded today just so people can get a sense for it? And I think what you're saying is it really needs to be contextual. In other words, when somebody's yes. interacting in a place where they would potentially want to have insurance at that time, in that context, they should be able to get it. But what does embedded insurance look like? Yes, yeah, so I think there are a couple of good examples. It's uh, it's like here in Europe, in Switzerland, for instance, Swiss Re offers with their um, embedded platform uh, household insurance at IKEA, uh, which means you go there, you're a young married couple, mm -hmm. or you're a student, you buy your first, you 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 rent your first um, your first uh, flat, and in Switzerland, you need to have uh, an insurance for your for your household. Okay. Once you're off. So typically, uh, I would say all the youngs, they go to IKEA. <laughs> and <laughs> once they're there and they, they have the bed and they have the stuff they buy now, they're really excited. It's not, it's not too expensive. Yes, it's the natural point in time to sell also this household insurance because you can then combine the, the buying at IKEA. You, you get the stuff you need with your situation in your life. Uh, so this is for me a good example. It's also naturally in, in Southeast Asia and Asia, maybe players like, like Grab platforms who are in food delivery, ride hailing, and they have a huge network of, of restaurants, food delivery drivers, yep. customers. And they are the natural point, for instance, then a natural access point for, for these two. Yes, I might need the health insurance or I, I, I ship health insurance to my drivers, or I offer additional insurance protection to my merchants yeah. or to my customers. So so there's no way, why do you have to go to another place? Right, so it's completely contextual and it's embedded in the time where, where people want to actually buy that product. So one of the key things though to actually underwriting insurance is having the capacity 
to ensure these risks. And for people, again, that may not be familiar with this terminology, can you define capacity and then maybe talk about is that capacity being reallocated from the insurance of physical assets or is it just new capacity being created to be able to ensure the digital economy? Yes, uh, basically capacity is, is uh, just uh, is just the supply of, of, of the protection. So th that's basically the party who promises to pay if something happens, which is typically the, the business model of insurance. You It's a promise. You, you basically pay a premium, a certain premium, like for your life insurance, health insurance yep. every month or once in a while. And for this uh, premium, you get the promise uh, to to pay, and basically the promise to pay is is delivered by the insurance companies. They they in case something happens with your health, you basically get the health service, and it's paid by the insurance. Or if you have a household insurance, if somebody breaks in and, and steals, or it burns down, then you get basically uh, paid uh, basically the, the the loss by the insurance company since you've paid the premium so it's it's basically a, a promise to do that and for this you need a certain capacity which means the insurance company need the, the capital they need to have this money reserved due to also regulatory reasons they need to reserve this money that they can pay out their clients their customers in case certain claims happen so that is a, i would say a, a little bit like the capacity is built up and in this way is in a market, the capacity is provided where there's demand typically, and 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 since there's demand, uh, then also insurers enter the market and and, and see yes, that's an interesting market. I will, I will provide more capacity into this market since it's a growing market. Okay. I guess I guess for the questions on um, digital versus physical world, I see halfway probably digital world will replace some of the assets in the physical world since again look at our life today we travel probably less so we don't need we we use less um, uh, restaurant services less other physical services we might need uh, less um, office space in future yeah for sure that means this uh, this type of insurance where you protect the property you protect that it might not anymore be uh, the, the growth engine of the future but instead of that you might have uh, more services you have online and you might consume uh, definitely everybody of us consumes much more online services in terms of online events if you for instance look at an event an online event the risk there is in the digital world that you can connect to this online event that the resources available in the online event and it's not anymore. You don't need to buy, build up a huge property uh, to do that. You don't need to have a huge. You have events. You, you just do it in the digital space. Right. So, so the, the insurance is is naturally uh, a different one in this case. Uh, the the risk is a different one in this case. And maybe a second one is is definitely there's a transformation that uh, you basically merge both worlds with like autonomous vehicles. So you have a classic car insurance which at the moment is uh, linked to the driver and uh, so the driver drives a car and he has an insurance in future if you have autonomous cars the insurance might be linked to the car which drives from a to b and and this is a connected car so so the type of risks is is going to be different it's it's a software risk in future you insure or that there's a bug or there's all of a sudden missing connectivity and not anymore that the, the not anymore the same way as it used to be that the driver is insured. 
Right. So you move from a you move the same way how you do the mobility moves the risk moves from from the from the behavior of the driver to the behavior of the car software, and of the connectivity, and this is this is a huge change, and uh, I think that's going to definitely reflect in the in the in the next couple of years. Absolutely, I I think about autonomous cars a lot for multiple reasons, but I want to introduce something and see what your opinion is. If in this transition to digital risks, right, and, and to autonomous cars, it's going to have to change the way I think that insurance companies look at motor insurance. You've already introduced this a little bit. But how about instead of only insuring for accidents, if those cars are then used as like a fleet of autonomous taxis, if something goes wrong with the car, it has no driver, is there a way to insure the the income that's associated that that car generates, this is truly like purely a digital risk, right? That doesn't exist today. Yes, exactly. So the, again, at the end of the day, everything which produces an asset, which is revenue, um, is, is, is basically to be considered here. It's also, you can also look in more things like energy that you have maybe solar panels on your house or solar panels in your, in your car. You produce energy when you drive. So you produce assets when you do something with, 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 with an asset, like a car or something else. And right. at the end, you look at the, you, you, you need to look at, like, like, like probably in the banking industry, you, look at, you need to look at the cash flows and, and the risks beyond these cash flows. And I think that's going to be the future model that you look what are the cash flows? What are the revenue? What are the what is the, the productivity you have with a certain asset? Right. And the digital economy in, enables more potential opportunities that you again that you rent your car, that you use your car, that you have a fleet, yep. that you basically it can be used for mobility. It can be used also for events. Like let's look at one-time events when a lot of people gather somewhere. You can use a mobile fleet. Uh, it can be rented out. It can be used only for a short, short period, and there definitely you need to protect that. You still have the same protection needs, but it is much more reflected in these new ways of how certain things are used. And as well, it's it's a great thing also for circle economy. It's a great thing that you reuse your your assets in 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 more ways, which again uh, it doesn't make sense to have your car ninety five percentage in your garage right. or in your standing still. Right. When, why should we should utilize it? Uh, I think also from a circular economy, also from an efficiency uh, standpoint, this is be much better usage of the car than just standing somewhere not doing something. Absolutely. So uh, there's a lot of op options, and uh, I think also you can link that also to much more also uh, topics around uh, circular economy, sustainable economy, how assets can be used efficiently. You know, IoT is something that's coming. It's coming really fast, right? And when we think about more devices, not just being connected to the internet, but being connected to each other, what kind of issues arise here and how does that get insured? IoT needs connectivity. Because yeah, for sure. IoT is around that you start to, to have much more information around moving goods or around certain, certain sensors. Um, yeah. You can basically use much more data um, you can you can basically also get much more information around the local conditions in the transport vehicle. 
and and basically you also can predict uh, with IoT you can predict where's going to be the next like problem uh, like you have a weather scenario in your in, you have a traffic scenario and with IoT you you basically can can predict that what what could happen if there's a weather scenario and and a traffic scenario and all of a sudden you have your floods and then there's your vehicles sitting in the flood and and I guess this ability to to basically start to use uh, more data sources is definitely a huge opportunity for the insurance industry since insurance industry is in the business of understanding information right and and reflecting that in a kind of a risk and a, and a premium and I I believe that definitely IoT gives the industry a potential to use its physical its information around physical assets like engineering right transport marine industry there's a lot of assets and know-how in the insurance industry with iot they are able the industry would be able to much more leverage that into into the whole digital economy since at the end you want to protect your risk you want to protect what you're doing you want to have the food delivered or the goods delivered in in the conditions they should be right. when they come to you uh, you want to ship back certain products. So the more you can use, utilize IoT to smoothen these processes, I think the higher the potential is. And, and the insurance industry can play a pivotal role to really bring in the protection products required, utilize this information to provide the, the right prices and the right coverage. Absolutely. What role does parametric insurance play and how important is you mentioned data already earlier, but how important is getting good, differentiated, real-time data into an engine that can then create these parametric insurance, not just policies, but payouts? Yeah, so definitely the parametric insurance angle is, is about two things, about is, is using data, measures, information you collect objectively, and then to, to basically, uh, the second topic is to, to link this information to an insurance policy and then use it instead of, um, instead of an indemnity-based policy where you have then to go into a, a larger claims process, you basically already define uh, a payment if there's something, if, if, if there's something happening, like a, a break of something or an outage of something. So I see the parametric approach as, as, as the way how you can calibrate, configure, and customize what the end customer needs. Basically, you can go, you can define when or where how long do you need a certain protection? What is the frequency when you need to have this kind of protection need? Is it every 15 minutes or is it every week or is it on a year basis? So you can you can define, you can do the configuration and you can customize the payout. You can say, look, I lose whatever 1000 euros when this gets lost, when, they are, when, when, the, when the problem occurs. Right. So you predefine that, which means there's no more claims adjustment. It's just, I get the 1,000 when there's the problem. And the problem is, is measured, especially, and today with the data assets we have, especially in the internet, we can measure every location. We can measure in very small iterations, up to one minute, certain seconds to 15 minutes. So we understand the situation and can use it very objectively, since, since the measurement, again, is also objective. You mentioned these words simple and reliable earlier. How does insurance become more simplified and more reliable? Simplicity means that you you basically don't have to go through huge documents, but you basically have a very clear understanding. Yes, in if there's, for instance, a certain outage of, of 
of my of my provider of my e-commerce provider i get 500 euros per hour this is simple this everybody understands there's no large documents attached no huge descriptions of the contract no ex no exclusions no whatever uh, 75 different clauses it is very simple okay it's understandable that's straightforward second one yeah it's in straightforward and you know what you get and you know if, if nothing happens then nothing happens so either it's uh, something the, the event happens or not the second one is is um is a uh, reliability here we see naturally reliability you only can do reliable insurance if you have trusted sources so so you need to build up your trusted sources of, of which can collect the information you need about the running this insurance. About, yeah. The data, yes. And, yeah, and the data sources need to be reliable in terms of they provide you the insights and they need to be reliable in terms of that you can also replicate that from out, outside right. as a third party. Right. Once you, so these two topics are very important there. Absolutely. Okay. Is there a future in which all insurance is parametric it does seem to simplify the entire process right in other words if a parameter is met if an event happens and it's proven through technology there's a pre-agreed payout why would people go back to indemnity insurance right in other words i can see it in the health space i can see it in the motor space i can see it in a bunch of different spaces is there a future where everything is parametric in the digital economy definitely uh, we expect that much more of the insurance will be parametric since it's the log logical extension it already the way how how the industry is set up it is about services you add new services and with these new services you basically can already add a certain protection towards what can go wrong so we we see that how all the platform economy uh, platform economy works and how new services are offered there and and this is this is for definitely the, the future way there's always there are there's always cases where you don't want to have a parametric insurance. There's, there's very specialized insurance or certain areas of insurance where 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 you really want to have somebody looking at you first, like a doctor, and establishing that. So you don't might not want to parametrize this, but you right. can maybe even use the parametric approach and and in in a more lightweight area. But we believe it is the way how the digital economy needs to be insured, since it is fast. It is, it is also simple for the end customer and it reflects uh, what can go wrong. And especially uh, in the digital space, you can measure a lot of things. You can measure the outage events, you can measure other problems pretty fast and pretty reliable. That's also where the future will be on Parametric. Perfect. Okay, Thomas, that was awesome. I want to thank you, Thomas Kropp, the co-founder and the CEO of RiskWolf for coming on the show today. That was really super.